All right, welcome everybody. This is the Joe Danier podcast. I am Joe Danier, uh, and I've been kind of MIA for the last couple days, even maybe a week. I've just been so terribly irritated with not having anything worthwhile to say in front of a microphone or a camera. Uh, I did a lot of talk radio and it kind of like spoiled me down a little bit where, you know, I was just so, everything was so negative and I was reading so much shit on social media that was negative. I just, if I can't bring some kind of optimistic light where I can give some guidance or potentially help somebody in the audience out, it's just not valuable to just do it for the sake of doing it. So I stepped away and uh, maybe I did uh, a little bit of writing, but I've, I've been doing a phenomenal amount of journaling in the mornings. And this has just sort of been me letting, you know, a little bit of an escape uh, to get all this shit off of my chest. Because a lot of the stuff that you're feeling is 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 sort of like your environments and the people that you're running into. And, you know, uh, if you don't feel great about the world that's around you and, and all you're going to do is make other people feel bad, I mean, it's not worth doing. So that's where I was. The state of my mind was off in a, in a you know, in a bad place. Uh, but I, I'm going to, you know, kind of like the clawback is what I want to talk about today. Cause it's su super important that if you're going to spend any amount of time in a place that's negative and you really don't like being there, having a way to be able to jump back in and, and claw your way back into, you know, good spirits or good state of mind. And, and while it's healthy to dig through and find out why things are happening, it's not real healthy to stay there and just, you know, kind of stay super fixated on it. And I don't know, it's debilitating a little bit. I don't feel like doing anything. I don't feel like talking. I don't feel like helping people. I don't feel like being engaged at all. I feel like sitting in a room and just being by myself with my thoughts. And, uh, and that's not a really healthy place to be either. So done complaining about, it, but this is what I had to do. I had to sit in front of this, force myself to sit here and, and kind of give an explanation as to why I wasn't here for the last couple of days. So there, there you have it. But I got to think back and like, what caused me to want to sit here? What caused me to hit record and talk into the microphone? And, and I think one of the, the biggest uh, motivators for me is when something clicks in your brain and you're, you're like, yeah, that's, that's what I need to say. Then you feel like it's right to go how to hand and say it. And I, I have this phenomenon sometimes when I'm doing something that I'm not familiar with and think about like you're walking into a new place and there's some anxieties behind the new place door, whether or not it's a job or just a place that you've never been before. If there's critical performance on the other th side of that door, because you can't picture the mysteries of the uncertainty, it almost feels like you don't want to walk through that door until you know more. But once you're there, you like really slide into all of your comfort zones because you make what's familiar there. It's always got a stage and it's always got a microphone or a plushy seat or something cold to drink or food on a menu. Familiarity is really what makes everything start to click into, into place. So sometimes I can say right up to the moment that I sit in this chair in front of this mic that I don't want to do this. But if I sit there, there's some almost like an endearing thing about what this mic does to me that says, Joe, come on, just start, start free verse in it. Just say what's on your mind. And if I think about it too deep, the other voice in my mind says, well, no, it's too negative and you're just going to bum people out. Nobody wants to hear that shit. But, uh, and, and that's where I'm at. But if I, if I don't get started back again, all that slips by is freaking time. And if I know anything about, uh, what's valuable in this world is not money. It's not fame. It's not cars. It's not opportunity. It's not jobs. It's nothing but freaking time. It's the one thing that no matter what, right? You're sitting on the couch on a Saturday and you're relaxing, watching football. You get to the end of the day and you say, what did I accomplish? I traded X amount of time for what? And you get a little disappointed that you traded something that is not, that is, that is totally finite that you're going to run out of one day. And one, a book that, um, 
it was it was recommended to me early on in my my business career. Don't even remember the title, but you can find it if you're if you're dedicated enough. Uh, it was where a guy interviewed a bunch of people that were on their deathbed, and they asked them all about their regrets and things they wish they would have done different. And that and and really, what I pulled it drew out of the entire book was that everybody has the same freaking regret. In the moment, they do all the things that feel like they're serving, but in the long run, it's all about you know, in a, you know, converting time to the best value that we possibly can. And I, I wouldn't suggest that some of those memes you read about, you know, getting used up and and sacrificing your body because you only got so much of it. Uh, you don't want to suffer either, right? You don't want to have the living space being suffered. So if you're miserable during that suffering, whether or not it's doing too little or doing too much, uh, both of them are not going to be. Um, you know, if you, if you, when you're doing your own commentary, when you're laying on that deathbed, you, you're not going to say, I wish I would have done that. Uh, you know, take care of your knees and take care of your back. And I always wondered why old people always told you about that. And I, and I took that advice. So I've never had to suffer at this point from having, you know, debilitating pain from uh, abusing my body. And, and so I, and again, this is rambling. I, I realize that, but the, this is the, the, the free uh, thought are free flowing thoughts that are that are coming through me right now because if you t- tell me to bullet point what I was going to talk about today, it would have been said I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm sitting in a room. So this is this is the version of me arguing with that fact that no, you need to pull your shit out of it. Stop complaining. Stop feeling bad for yourself. Get in front of the mic and you know do your thing. And so that's where you got me today. This will probably be the shorter the shortest or at least one of the shorter ones that I record, but I, I have to get this out so that I can get started. Uh, I went from recording seven days a week down to five days a week to three days a week where this is the only one that I've done this week. And that's pathetic. And so I need to, uh, it's not that I'm not doing things. I'm telling you, like, you know, one of my philosophies was that I want to live a life that's worth writing about. And, but the things I write about have to fall under the you know, the banner of something I could be proud of that I would want to read sometime in the future and gain some knowledge or experience or motivation or something. And just hearing a dude complain about how he can't think of shit to talk about, it's not a great thing to to go into. So I dedicated, I was willing to sacrifice six minutes and 30 seconds of this podcast to doing nothing but complaining about my state of mind so I can move on from it, get on stage, do what I do. I've got a lot of exciting, awesome things that are going on in this year. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't know that if you heard this deal. You wouldn't say, wow, that Joe, he's got, you know, for the last seven days, he's hammered out some um, some events and opportunities and things. Uh, I heard him talk about how he's depressed and he wants to sit here and talk about nothing, right? So there's you go. Here's my grace. I've given myself the six minutes and 30 seconds and now it's over. So let's talk about some exciting things. Events. I was was really um, a little disappointed that up up into the... You know what? I wasn't disappointed. I'm going to change my wording. So I wasn't disappointed. I was excited that I was a part of my career that I could start entertaining new stuff, things that have gotten me excited in the past and I just haven't acted on yet. So one of those things was two, two things I wanted to accomplish this year. Number one, I wanted to do events and events like putting on shows, musical acts, comedians. So far this year, I've done one, uh, one act. Let me tell you this story. So the, uh, the one, a good friend was opening a new, new restaurant was opening and they were getting their banquet center, uh, you know, their banquet center uh, rolled out. Now I had, I had started a little entertainment company where I would do date night out. 
So I go to a restaurant. The theory was I take a restaurant and say, hey, give me your worst day. The one that you, you know, you don't have really enough people walking through the door to even justify some servers being, give me that day. And I'm going to run a little show on there. I'm going to invite couples down to spend a date night out together and watch some kind of show. And so I did that. And one of my restaurant friends said, come down, you know, we'll open the menu to you. And I provide the show. They provide the meal. Couple showed up, had a comedian on stage. It was amazing. Food was great. Place was great. Filled, you know, filled the room on an empty day. So it was great. I felt like I was onto something with that idea. And then you fast forward and then I did the most recent one. And this was a couple um, weeks ago that, or a couple months ago, actually. And I, uh, we did the show. I booked a headliner comedian. Uh, the same guy that actually did the first one, super funny, great guy. And I also booked a, a kid, a 12 year old kid to do a set from Mitch Hedberg and Mitch being one of my favorites. He's well-respected He's passed on now, but he, he was kind of legendary in his method for it. So had this 12 year old kid that memorized some of Mitch Hedberg's greatest. And he did a little five minute set, the middle guy, right? Here's what happened with the middle guy. So the headliner was wanted to wanted to give some work to um, someone local, someone from the community who hit the com comedy scene. So he was being super generous with who he selected to run that featured act right before his, and he picked a local guy. Now the little guy, the local guy, um, I've seen him before, and you know he's smart dude, hard worker. I really like him. He's he's really there and supports his fellow comedians. So I thought, man, this is freaking awesome, and. Uh, and the, the crowd that I invited to this show was in their, I would say in their 50s, 60s. They were, they were an older crowd. They were more affluent. They had, you know, disposable income. Uh, it was a, you know, hundred plus dollar ticket to show up at this thing for a dinner. So it was not, you know, the cheapest thing. So all was good. The first set, the 12 year old kid came out and he nailed it. He was so awesome. Everybody loved him. The cutest thing that could ever be. He did an amazing job. The middle set coming on stage, and rather than bringing his PG-13 material, he brought his rated R material. And I watched some of the people in the crowd and the audience really, like, ghost over, like, really be uncomfortable with the content. Now, this is his thing. I mean, he does local comedy in the area. His crowds are probably this. But, you know, I wish if I could go back in time, I wish I could take that and turn it around and somehow really uh, push on the make sure that this is PG-13, read the room well, and uh, and and we'll, we're going to knock this out of the park. So it got really uncomfortable in that middle set. It was way too vulgar for the people that are there. And we watched some of those people just like tune out. And I thought, this is sunk. We're, we're done. We're toast. This will be the last show that I ever run. Uh, fortunately, the show, the, the set was over. The headliner came out and he knocked it out of the park. He not he reeled everyone back in. He was hilarious. He had like one of the biggest um, merchandise sales of, of his career because of what he was able to do to reel in. Now I feel bad for the the middle guy for uh, for both you know the the material that he put out there and the the audience's response. Um, at the same time, like man, I really wish that would have gone different because I like the dude enough that I wish he would have done well because we could have done that same set over and over and over picking different restaurants. And so um, I'm a little still, you know, I'm a little bit uh, hurt over it. I'm, I'm, it's still stingy because I hate to go to another friend and put something together and come up shy because the reality is when uh, when you start doing anything new, you, I mean, you eat shit for a while. You, you really have to 
get through and wade through the worst parts of it before you get to the parts that are that are awesome. And the problem is that at this point in my career, people will let me do a lot of things. And so it's mostly on me to make sure that I don't uh, make sure that they didn't mistrust me and give me, uh, you know, access to something that I'm going to squander. So put a huge amount of pressure on me to not jack it up, not to do the wrong thing. And I feel like that first one, I took a lot of the responsibility and I felt quite bad for having put everybody in that position. And so, but it, it, this summer I still have like three or four more uh, events that are pretty big that, that I have the, uh, an opportunity to redeem myself. Uh, I went the musical direction. I picked some younger country people that are not hard edge at all. It's more of like a more laid back, uh, you know, feel the groove and, and enjoy a relaxing summer. That's the, 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 the deal. It's, it's the risk level is super way low and way low, but you know what I mean? Uh, but it, it, I have no fear with putting these people on stage at my event and, and seeing, you know, how things go. Uh, but that, that, you know, the, the events that I have going, it's, it's part of what I want to do. And, you know, the, the second part of uh, this year is making a physical good of some kind. It's been all service jobs, service-oriented things. I want to make something physical. And you talk to people who make physical goods and they look at the people who do service-oriented and they say, hey, they got the good deal. And you take service-oriented and they're like, hey, there's those physical deals. So neither is right. I think each one is a flavor for the person that's best at providing the product or service. And so we'll see if I have the ability to do a product just as well as I do uh, you know, the service end of things, but I'm excited. I want to have said that I did it all. Everything that I wanted to try, I tried. And I didn't say that I wanted to all be perfect. And I didn't say that I needed, you know, to make, uh, you know, it, the, the challenges and to, to make, uh, wealth happen from it. Uh, because there's going to be some dogs that I pull in there. And the only reason I do them is to check them off the fricking list. And I'm going to do it regardless if it means that I made money doing it or not. Uh, overall the full spectrum, I mean, come on, I, I, I put energy into all the things that work. So you don't think that if I invent a product that isn't doing well, that I'm going to sit on that egg forever. I'm going to take the experience to what I need out of it and then dismiss it when it's done, put it on the shelf for another time, sell it off to somebody else. So uh, that's, you know, that's the theory and that's what you'll, uh, you'll, you'll probably hear about. But you see, th through this talk here, I've given myself ample ability and opportunity to put on the what I'm going to talk about next. Because all of you who are listening, uh, you know, you're in my same boat. You go through that same, you know, oscillations between high, high and low lows. Nobody's ever just sitting there experiencing the same, uh, you know, flatline safe, you know, uneventful life, you, you go from things that you'd rather not to things that are super exciting and everything in between. And so you're feeling me. I know even if you're in a good spot, you, you've been here before and, uh, and, and I'm just giving, uh, you know, doing my best to be able to overcome this one and jump onto the next lily pad. And, uh, the next time I talk, you're going to hear about the, all the dreams that I have and the goals that I have, but this is, this is the shittiest state of mind that I've been in. And, and, uh, and it's probably the shittiest state of mind that you'll hear me in ever doing this. Cause typically I'll, I'll, you know, pick myself up and not come on the stage when I feel like this, but you needed to hear it and see it because this is, this is the true, uh, Joe. And, you know, if, if, this, if I hide this part, then it's, I'm no better than social media where we polish up the good things and you never see the bad things. And then you never believe it because come on, someone's got to have a bad day someday. Anyway, check it. Yeah. Catch you next time, guys. This is Joe Danny podcast.